0: We've been in a series of messages over the last few weeks called Decluttering Christianity, right? And we've been walking through the book of Galatians piece by piece and discovering what it has to say to us. Uh, In a couple of weeks, we're going to be starting something brand new. And before I get into our chapter today, chapter 5 of Galatians, I want to kind of give you a preview of what's coming. Because this is going to be a series that you're going to help me do uh, over the summer. It's a series called Taboo. And what we're going to be doing is looking at a biblical perspective on the things that we don't typically talk about. So if there are any issues that you would like to have a biblical perspective on, if you'd like to just be able to talk about some things that we don't typically talk about, now's the time for us to do that. So in your online sermon notes today, when you go into the Messages tab at MyGrace.Church, you'll find a little box there that says My Taboo Question. I want to encourage you today, throughout this week, whenever you think of something it's like, oh, I want to see what Pastor Dave has to say about that or how to approach that, jump on there, put your question in, and I'm just going to start accumulating these questions over the next couple of weeks and allowing you to dictate where this series is going to go. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have to throw at me here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, in Galatians, what we've been learning through Decluttering Christianity is that we can't do anything to earn God's love or His grace, right? There's nothing we can do to earn His love. But because of what He's done for us, we have this ability, this freedom to choose to love and to live like Christ does. Now, we saw early on in this series, back in chapter 2, and we're going to see this again today, that this new life in Christ, it's a process, right? It's a process that actually brings death. When we accept Christ, we give the Holy Spirit license to come into us and start to crucify, to start to kill off all those old sinful, uncomfortable parts of ourselves that aren't reflective of Christ as the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us and starts to work in our hearts and lives. And the work of God is ha- happening in our lives after we accept Christ, whether we realize it's happening at the moment or not. It's, it's kind of like a, a movie that I saw not too long ago again. Uh, do any of you remember the movie uh, The Sixth Sense? It came out like 20 years ago. Do you remember this movie? Um, I wish I could erase this thing from my memory because it, was, it just tormented me. I, it, was, it just creeped me out. My son and some of his friends watched this at home just a few months ago, and I couldn't even finish watching. I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this thing. I know what's going to happen. I don't want to see it again. You know. But here's the storyline to this film if you haven't seen it. Basically what this is about is it's about this little boy who is actually able to see dead people, right? And you're like, I see dead people. That was the the premise of this movie. He's able to see these people. And the, and the, the catch to this whole thing was these dead people don't realize they're dead, right? They're just kind of wandering around, going about life, thinking that nothing's really happened, even though it's clear and obvious to him what has happened and that they're dead. But they just keep hanging around, and they don't go anywhere, wandering around. And I say that to say this. In a way... That's what the Christian life is like. As the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, that old sinful part of you before Christ, it has to go. It just does. And God kills off. He he crucifies that part of us that's trapped and bound by sin. And you may not feel any different when you accept Christ into your life. You may not feel like anything has ever happened in you. But everything changes in that moment. It's God reaches down into you and takes that old, simple, broken part of you and just rips it out and crucifies it, Paul says. You may not feel any different. You may not realize, the old you may not realize it's even dead yet because it just keeps popping up back to life over and over again. And God's work of sanctification in us, in a way, it's like the Holy Spirit is like that little boy. In that movie, he sees those sinful behaviors in us, and he points out, hey, wait a minute. There's that dead David again. He's coming back to life. You know, There's that dead Mary again. Oh, there it comes. You know, the Holy Spirit is seeing that old, dead, stinky part of us rise back up to life. And for some of us, it happens daily. Sometimes, some of us, it happens multiple times a day, right? But it comes back to life again, and our task, the Holy Spirit's task, is to reckon, help us to see that. And Paul says to crucify it again, to kill it off again, and to bury it. We see this this language throughout the Scriptures. We see it in Romans chapter 6 where it says that we died and we were buried like Christ when we accepted Him and that Christ has raised us to new life in Him. Colossians 3 says that since you died to this life, he says then put to death... Those things that keep lurking around within you when they pop back up again. Turn with me, if you would, this morning to Galatians chapter 5. Let's just go ahead and dive in. And again, if you don't have a a Bible with you, you can go to the Messages tab at mygrace.church on your sermon browser, and the scriptures are there. I also just want to say to you, if any of you don't have a Bible but you would like one, we have Bibles that we are giving away at Guest Services Center every week. Feel free to take one of those as you leave today. But as you're turning there to Galatians 5, let me just say this. Today what we're going to see is that killing off or nailing these dead parts of ourselves back to the cross is an ongoing process of walking in step with the Spirit, of walking in step with God. But what is that like? How do we do that? How do we, when that, when that dead Mary rises up again, when that dead Teresa rises up again, how do we get it back in the grave. How do we crucify that thing again? How do we nail that thing back to the cross? You know, I think about this image uh, from my childhood, another scary movie, this movie Dracula, and how, you know, remember how you had to, how they finally would get rid of Dracula by, it was like, nailing a stake through his heart or something? It's like, is that what we're supposed to do? We're somehow supposed to literally nail ourselves down to keep that old dead part of us from rising up again? No. but But what does it look like? How do we... How do we do what God is expecting of us? How do we keep that old, dead, stinky part of us in the grave as it just keeps wanting to pop up again, over and over again? Are we just supposed to try really hard to be good? Just try our best, you know, get up everyone's like, all oh right, God, I'm going to really do good today. You know, is it, is it just based on our own effort? Or is there a better way? Well, in Galatians 5, we're going to find out today that there is a better way and it actually has something to do with love, believe it or not. Galatians 5, verse 1. Listen to this. It says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now, The Apostle Paul, as you may remember, he's writing to this group of churches in this region known as Galatia where he had planted churches just not too long before that. And he's putting, as he starts chapter 5, he's putting this on the context of freedom, right? And staying free. In verses 2 through 4, he's saying, You can try really hard to obey all the rules, all the things that you think that God wants from you, but not only will that not work, Paul says... But he says, it actually cuts you off from Christ and his grace. It actually cuts you off from Christ. Because it's not about what Christ has done for you anymore. It's about you trying to earn your favor with God by your own effort. And it doesn't work. In verse 5, this process it says that this process of killing off the old you, it, it takes time. And it's a partnership between you and God. To to do something about it. Verse 6 it says this. um, It says. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus. There is no benefit. In being circumcised. Or being uncircumcised. What is important. Notice this. He's telling us. What is important. Do you have verse 6 up there Paul? There we go. What is important. Is faith expressing itself. In love. Now. The New International Version of this verse 6 actually words it even more powerfully, I think. In the NIV it says, in verse 6, all that counts, all that counts is our faith expressing itself in love. Ephesians 5 says that we literally imitate God as his children by living a life filled with love. As we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, Love is what sets us free from that old, dead, stinky part of us that keeps popping up again, over and over again. Sometimes when we least expect it. Jesus loved us enough to buy our freedom with his life, guys, so that our new lives could be free to love like Christ. But to borrow the old Tina Turner song that I used to listen to when I was a kid back in the 80s. What's love got to do with it? Well, let's see. Galatians 5. Let's go jump down to verse 16. It says, he says this. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You won't be allowing that old dead you from rising back up again over and over again. Now, if you keep looking down in this passage, down into verses 19 through 21, you see this list of all these bad things that we can do, right? All these things that maybe some of you have, or you and I have done at times in our own lives. These things that we do in our own effort and our own energy, completely apart from God. But then in verses 22 and 23, It takes it a step farther and it starts listing these godly qualities that only come into our lives by the Holy Spirit producing them in us. And you know what that first godly quality is in Paul's list? The first one, the first fruit that he lists there is what? It's love, isn't it? Love, guys, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not you and not me. So let's look at that, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Side note here. Let me just share this with you. This, sometimes we, this isn't a comprehensive list that Paul is giving of all the godly qualities we can have in our lives. These are actually the ones that Paul is emphasizing to the Galatian people because these are the ones that they're struggling with. But if you look at other places in Paul's writings, you'll see other lists. In fact, for example, there's a list in Colossians 3 that looks very similar to this one as the fruit of the Spirit. In Colossians chapter 3, it lists several of the, of the same qualities that were in Galatians, but it lists a few other ones as well that are godly qualities, like humility, and thankfulness, and tender hearted mercy, and forgiveness. I love how Paul does this because in Galatians he speaks to them about these godly qualities as fruit that's born in our lives. And then in Colossians he's writing to them and he's saying take these godly qualities and literally put them on you like clothes. But being in step with the Spirit means that letting Christ have complete control of our lives. It's not about us Again, getting up in the morning and trying to just muster up enough energy to try to be good today, to try to make it happen. Actually, it's the opposite. It's actually us, as we get up in the morning, surrendering to the power of God and saying, God, I just want to give you my life, I want to give you my day, and relinquishing that control. And as we surrender, God creates in us a whole new set of loves, A whole new set of desires, of of longings. We don't don't control this process. The Spirit leads us in that. And he creates in us these desires that we didn't even have before. Before we accepted Christ into our lives. So love is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But it's defined, Paul says, as being self-sacrificing. Look at verse 24. He said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. In other words, our egos are like a vast command center, constantly sending out uh, signals. Uh, And they're all about us taking care of ourselves, about us preserving our egos getting other people's favor, getting the things that we want out of other people. Well, we crucify those selfish parts of ourselves by choosing, Paul says, to not be selfish. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, as he's talking about love, in the famous love chapter, he says, love isn't self-seeking. There was this: Love isn't selfish. Jesus is the example, right? Because Jesus sacrificed his life. He literally sacrificed his life so that, not so that he could get ahead but so that he could put us first. Tithing and giving financially to others is a great example of this because we're sacrificing what we want in order to love God and to love others. From those of us who struggle with letting go of our time and we're selfish with our time, that's another great example. When we, when we give of our time to other people we're, we're doing this very same thing because we're letting go of our own selfish desires and letting them go to be blessing others out of love. The love sets us free in how it leads us to give and to serve others. Look at verse 13. We'll jump one more spot here. Verse 13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, brought my brothers and sisters, But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then Paul goes right back to what Jesus said was one of the greatest commandments. For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole thing, he says, make it really simple, sums up in one thing, love. Love God, love your neighbor. The message that Paul writes about over and over again is what Jesus taught over and over again to those who wanted to follow all the 613 laws of God and do them so perfectly and were so caught up in trying to obey all the rules. And Jesus said, I'm just asking you to love. Love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor. You do those two things and you'll be following him. So, In verses 13 and 14, he gets back into this freedom thing again. He says, don't use your freedom to go back to those same old behaviors, those same old patterns that got you all bound up in the first place. He says, instead, love. Not by biting at each other or by being judgmental of each other, as verse 15 says, but by loving your neighbor. We express our love to God and we express our love to others By the way we live a life of love. Remember, Jesus loved us enough to buy our lives. To buy freedom so that our lives could be free to love like Christ. So, in summary, let me just kind of wrap things up with this. When it comes to living a life in the Spirit, what's our part in this equation and what's God's part? What role does God have to play in helping us become more like Christ that we can't do anything about? And what part do we play in this whole process on a regular basis? Let's kind of walk through this real quickly. God's part, the part that you can't do, is to work on your heart, to change your heart, to get that old dead part of you out of there that keeps wanting to pop up and wander around. It's the Holy Spirit's role to identify that as it's happening And to shine that light on us in those moments. He's working on our thoughts and our emotions and our desires to make us more like Christ on a daily basis. And to get rid of that old dead part of us that keeps wanting to rise up over and over again. He's encouraging us in those moments to chase that dead uh, dead David off or that dead Jason off. And to be an example of Christ. But what part do we play in this? Well, let me make it simple. I'm just going to kind of give you four words that really, if you could kind of get these cemented in your head, this is, the, this is all it, the only part that we can play in this whole process. And it's actually four A's. It's acknowledge, abide, act, and appreciate. And I'm going to walk through those real quickly for you. Acknowledge. Acknowledge means reminding yourself every single day when you're failing, when you're beating yourself up, reminding yourself, it's not about me. God never intended me to be perfect. God never intended you to be perfect. God never, never has this expectation. Okay, today I expect you to get it all right. It's part, the first part of this sanctification process is acknowledging that without God we can't do any of it. It's acknowledging that He is in control of it. He's walking this path. And so what that means is is that we don't have to go on a, a witch hunt trying to find all these things in our lives that we need to fix. The Holy Spirit shines that light and identifies those things for us when the time is right. And he calls us to do something about it. The second thing that I want to share with you is abide. I mean, this is simple. Abide just means staying close to God pursuing that relationship with God on a regular basis because the more you're around God, the more you become like God. It's putting ourselves in environments where we become more receptive to the activity of God in our lives. Whether it's here on Sunday mornings as we're worshiping God together or it's going out in nature and being alone with God, being out in the quiet. Or maybe for you it's out serving the poor. But what are those things for you that... Draw you closest to God. It's pursuing those things as a way of abiding in Christ. And as we do that, we're doing so by having these conversations with God and we're having a listening ear out for what God is saying to us in those moments. As we abide, the Spirit leads us to act. Right? There are times in our lives when we just know that God is calling us to do something when it's not a guess, it's not maybe God's willing to do this, but the Holy Spirit is just convicting us and saying, you need to go do this. You need to go make this right or you need to not do this. And in those moments, we can say, well, God, I'll pray about it some more or I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. But in those moments, God's just warning us to respond. He's just warning us to say yes. And as we persevere, as we don't give up in those moments, we're trusting God to help us Even when we're weak. And God meets us there. And the last part that I think we can play in this process is to appreciate. And again, this is very simple. Appreciate is showing thankfulness. Showing gratitude to God for what He is doing in our lives. Even when God's not answering in the way that we think is best. So, to go back to Ephesians 5. When we live a life of love, we, like Christ, um, Ephesians 5 says, or a pleasing aroma to God. But the very moment that we start dragging around that old, stinking, dead Patricia or Isaac or Jim, it's in those moments that that pleasing aroma is gone. If we follow Christ, we have to remember this— When we make a decision to follow Christ that old you is dead. It's dead. It's gone. It was nailed. It was crucified on a cross for you. Christ has already done that for you. The very moment your heart connected to God and you said yes to God God reached in and he took that old you and obliterated it. Buried it. But we have to remember That it keeps rising up again. And doesn't even realize... Wouldn't it be nice if we could control that thing, right? If we could just make it stay buried. But this process of sanctification is all about recognizing it's rising back up again and putting it down. Because what Christ has done for us, we are free to love. We're no longer bound by that old thing anymore. I'll close with this. As I was writing this message... I came home that particular night uh, and as I was home walking in the house, I opened up my phone and I was flipping through Facebook and um, I happened to notice that my, my cousin who lives in South Carolina posted a picture of my grandmother and she was saying that that day was the 20 year anniversary of my grandmother's passing. My grandmother had a huge influence on my life. She inspired me to not only pursue journalism but To pursue pastoral ministry. In her footsteps. When I was first sent out. Into ministry. She was there. Praying over me. And blessing me. I would not be where I am today. Without her. Without her influence in my life. I have no doubt in my mind. I certainly wouldn't be here. If it hadn't been for her influence in my life. It actually surprised me. How as I opened up that that app and saw my grandmother's picture and i realized it was that 20th anniversary how much it impacted me how much did it change i mean my i just all of a sudden became so emotional it's like i got transported back 20 years ago to that day she died and all those emotions that i didn't even realize were even still there came just rushing back like a wave have you ever had that happen so i i didn't know what to do in that moment <laughs> But I knew I needed to do something because I just couldn't even think. It was just so overwhelming to me. I actually grabbed a copy of a book that was published with all of my grandmother's articles, Christian articles, that she wrote over her lifetime that were published in various newspapers and magazines. And I just started opening up and reading them. And I happened to stumble upon one that she wrote in April of 1985 that as I started reading this, I thought, this is the whole point of the message I was writing today. This nails it. I'm just going to read you a little excerpt of what she said. She said, the cross was not the end. It was the beginning. It's the open door to his promise, to his glorious resurrection. And then she said, we all must look to the cross. For when we do, we know that we are called to love. We realize above all else that we have what we need in those dark times of our lives. Love for Christ is the center of the Christian life. Love for him comes from meditating on his cross and what he's done for us. And then she says it is there that we truly discover his profound love for us. I don't know when it was for you. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ in your life. If so, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're exploring faith with us. But maybe for many of you here today, this was a decision that you made weeks ago or months ago or for some of you decades ago. I hope this message instills in you, if nothing else, this image. This image that Paul is trying to explain to us in Galatians 5. And that is that when you said yes to Christ, regardless of what those circumstances were, when you surrendered your life to Jesus that day, whenever that day was, everything changed. Everything changed. You may not have felt any different. You may have felt like it was just another day, but it was certainly not any other day. That was the day that God, by His Spirit, reached down into you and just uprooted all that stuff That you wish would never have been there. And just nailed it. To Christ's cross. Now. As I showed you earlier in this message. That that image from the sixth sense. Is the one that sticks in my mind Because that's what happens. It's like. There are times I can look. I can see that dead me rising up again. That dead me that's wanting to take control. That dead me that's wanting to be impatient. That dead me that's wanting to get frustrated. Or angry at someone. That dead me that's wanting to fall into these old patterns, these old behaviors. And in Galatians, Paul is reminding us, don't sweat it. Don't lose any sleep over it. It's an ongoing process we will go through for the rest of our lives. The process of seeing that dead person when he's rising up again and just putting him back in the grave. There is no need for you to ever feel like a failure in Christ. Because This is a process we're going to keep going through until Jesus comes again or until we meet him. It's never going to stop. We don't need to sweat it. We don't need to worry about it. We just need to continue to acknowledge, to abide, to act when he says act, and to appreciate what he's done for us. Because what he has done is amazing. And what he's going to do in your life is even more amazing. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I just thank you for this time today to dig into Galatians 5. This, we get into this last section of Galatians that deals with sanctification and becoming more and more like Christ to be more of a reflection of Him. Lord, this is a hard process for us, for all of us. There's none of us that have it really easy. <laughs> there are these old parts of us that we just assume would never rise up again, but they just keep popping up in us, Lord, when we get angry, when we get frustrated, when we get jealous, when we get tired and frustrated with, our, with those that we love. God, would you help us in those moments to see that old us rising up. Identify it and by the power of your spirit, put it back where it belongs. Lord, for, I pray that you would give us space, give us grace to recognize that we're going to fail. That we're going to entertain that old, dead, stinking person every now and then. And it's going to trip us up. But that you're going to be there with us to guide us, even in those moments. When we're frustrated, when we're discouraged, when we feel like we've lost it. Lord, we thank you that we can't mess up this gift that you've given us. We can't do anything to fall out of favor with you. That you're going to continue to love us and pursue us and dwell within us every single day of our lives that we breathe. Lord, we don't deserve all that you have done for us. But we say to you today, thank you. We are so grateful for what you are doing. And we ask that you would continue that process in our lives to make us into the men and women of God that you've called us to be. If you're here today and you've never said yes to God, if you've never accepted Christ into your life, or if maybe you did a long time ago, but you kind of walked away from faith, you kind of walked away from pursuing God, I would encourage you to say yes to Him today, to make that commitment. Don't think it's any accident that God brought you here today or that God has you listening to this message online today. God's working in your life, and you know it. God's calling you to himself. He's simply asking you to submit, to surrender. Say yes to what he wants to do in your life. So if that's you, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of this moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time today to be in your presence. Thank you for bringing me here and for helping me to see This step that you want to take with me today. Lord, I realize that this is a big step. But I make it knowing that you are fully in love with me. And God, I love you. God, I ask that you would come into my heart. That you would forgive me of all those parts of me that I would just assume not be there. Those parts of me that break your heart. God, I ask that you would forgive me of all those things. As I confess that you are my Savior, my God. God, I ask that you would come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit and begin that process that Dave talked about today, changing me from the inside out, making me into the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. God, I look forward to what lies ahead today, knowing that I don't have to control this thing. I don't have to control this life anymore. and let you lead, and I'll follow.